Hello and welcome again to IJS Speaks. This is your neighborhood financial economist, Katie Mark. And today is December 14th. It's 5.57 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, let's get right into it. So, looking at the dashboard. Uh, same securities as always. The dollar, U.S. 10-year treasury, gold, S&P 500, and crude oil. The breakdown, risk, assets versus safe haven. Uh, the dollar and the 10-year, I was looking at their correlation earlier today. They were strongly correlated. Um, so they seem to both be moving in the end. They're both appreciating. At least looking back over a week's worth of uh, price data. Well, let me not say appreciating yet. The 10-year more so than the dollar. So, they're both strongly correlated. They're both on relative bases appreciating. The 10-year more so than the dollar. So, from a pairs trading perspective, it would be a long 10-year treasury, short the dollar type of a trade. Then there's gold, S&P, and crude, which play the role of your risk assets, at least going into the first half of the trading week. Gold, up until, and honestly still kind of does, is moving roughly in tandem with the dollar. Typically, they move inverse to each other, gold up, dollar down, and vice versa. But sometimes they tend to move together. And that's usually when there is some kind of a macro economic reason why those two should be moving together versus their typical mechanical reasons for why they move in opposite. And then crude oil coming off of last week um, was surprisingly was surprisingly trading closely with the 10-year treasury um i still see some remnants of that in the price action but for all intents and purposes uh i'm lumping crude back in with the risk assets and watching how they trade going uh going into this week's session so last week um I got started kind of late in the week putting on derivative positions in the trade book. And I ended up just looking at the 10-year treasury, S&P 500, E-mini futures, and gold. Now, typically... um, Sim- simply because it's it's more cost-effective, a.k.a. it's cheaper. Um, I play gold with the GLD ETF and the SPY ETF um, for the S&P 500. And I buy, I, I would, you know, buy options on those. And because the contracts, the, the contract values are smaller, the, the premiums are smaller, so... The risk is, you know, smaller, and so is the reward. But there's also the futures contracts. 
and there is the added benefit of the liquidity with the futures contracts in that the options trade roughly 24 hours in line with the futures contracts unlike the ETFs which only trade during uh, market hours in New York those are the only times you can buy and sell the ETFs and with instruments that track the S&P and gold which have very liquid futures markets those instruments see a lot of movement overnight or outside of the New York hours so long story short I decided to pursue the exposure through the options on the futures contracts instead of options on the ETFs this week went into it gold gold was a losing trade the S&P options was a losing trade but the 10-year treasury options was profitable closed out in the money I've had this happen before with verticals on on uh, ETFs like the SBY and GLD where it's either in the money or one leg's in the money. So I've been trading the options on the futures contracts as a uh, as a form of or as a in an attempt to to try to take advantage of the liquidity that I see in the uh, in those contracts, they they trade twenty four hours, so you can buy and sell you know throughout you know the Asian session, European session. Cause there there's a lot of volatility you know sometimes, sometimes. Well, long story short, the ten year Treasury option was exercised, and now I am holding on to a futures position. Uh, Tenor Treasury futures contract expires in March 2021. So it has like 70 plus days to expiration. Now last week, so that being said, uh, I've got, you know, just a pure futures play in the trade book. I did not put on any other options positions. The markets are trading kind of thin. Um, there really, there's a lot of dislocation. It's the end of the year. Books are being closed. I figure, as I mentioned in the last episode, that the uh, last week, the 10-year treasury, while other sections or other segments of the markets were dislocated, disjointed, the 10-year treasury was acting like a north star in the portfolio and then i was able to i was able to analyze the rest of the the rest of the dashboard in relation to the 10-year treasury so that being said and then plus you know there's the macro fundamentals behind it central banks around the world are adding to their accommodativeness uh, the Fed is probably the last holdout uh, in in this most recent round of monetary accommodativeness. Uh, 
short the uh, yields on the front of the yield curve are already low. So similar to when the uh, when the Fed did their operation twist, where they started going after longer dated securities, you know, as an as another form of quantitative easing, you know, the uh, the Fed can go ahead and start uh, can go ahead and start buying up ten year Treasuries in a bid to bring down the longer end of the of the uh, yield curve. I mean, it's a way to to force down longer term interest rates and try to spur some longer term expectations of rising prices which can manifest into, you know, real time increases in, you know, consumer prices. You know, just purely based off of expectations. So basically the macro fundamentals are sound for the uh, tenure treasury. Uh, it's a form of liquidity and it's still compared to most other uh, major economies the uh, the sovereigns are yielding negatively. So it's the it's one of the last holdouts as far as you know credit uh, the, the credit of a of a major developed economy and still yielding positive. So there's that. So the macro fundamentals are, are, are good for the 10-year treasury. In the short term, uh, there's a risk-off sentiment developing in markets right now. And again, it's just, I think, going into the holidays, around the Christmas holidays, just expectation of not too much depth and liquidity in markets. So I don't think a lot of traders are going to be committing. So that leaves, you know... I mean, it basically puts a a more conservative feel to the market. And that, I think, also bodes well for treasury prices as investors seek out safety and liquidity as they close up their books and figure out their tax situation and then try to plan for next year. At least they know that they should be able to liquidate their treasuries at a fair price and and deploy investment capital if needed. So, treasury treasury um 10-year treasury futures on the books, only thing on the trade book going into the uh, the close of the holiday season. Basically, my anticipation going into the end of the year and the start of the uh the new year is Rising bond prices and falling interest rates, long-term interest rates in the United States. I mean, it's, uh, from my standpoint, seems like a rational enough assumption. Um, just from, you know, because if you look at the the way the financial markets are responding to the vaccine news, every day we get more and more news about the vaccine, better news about the vaccine, and... It just seems that financial markets have already discount, discounted the effects of the vaccine on the economy and are looking past that because the the rational assumption would be that the more we get better news about the uh, about the vaccine, 
that the better um the better sentiment should be and the better expectation should be for you know for go- activity going forward but it doesn't seem like that's what's being reflected in financial markets um the S&P was rallying while there were cases increasing and now it's losing steam while there's um vaccinations that are have already started in Europe and in the United States it's weird but risk off sentiment um gold gold is showing a lot of weakness so the persistent weakness in the price of gold hints to me that investors do not see inflation hedging demand for gold and they may also see weakening industrial demand for gold as well so not too much upside for gold but there's always the times where it has a strong negative correlation to the dollar and can just run simply because the dollar is running in one direction but as far as a, a macro fundamental reason for for big upside on gold can't really find one right now but of course that can always change and then with oil from the standpoint of OPEC wanting to keep US shale production off the market I don't necessarily see oil prices rising up to and above $50 a barrel before OPEC steps back in and tries to control um, tries to, to and tries to bring the price back down through supply controls and uh, and then of course dollar liquidity I mean there are lots of calls institutional calls for dollar weakness and they have a convincing narrative behind it but at a certain point when or if um, international sentiment is negative enough we do tend to see that flight the quality aspect um, and the dollar kick back in but this time really and truly could be different or at least could be the beginning of the change because there is still the Chinese yuan, which they're actively trying to to price international trade in, which is the first step in a reserve currency. So, I mean, the Chinese are playing the long game. Let's put it that way. Okay, so that's the uh, that's the trade book, and the forecast going forward. I mean, for the rest of the trade week, I mean, at least from right now, we're looking at a risk-off sentiment. And the uh, the ten-year Treasury again. I'll I really hone in on the ten-year Treasury because I've been looking at it a lot. And I mean, it's, it's because you know the the position is the only thing on the book, so it's the only thing that. I can sit here and analyze. But looking at the price action over, you know, over several time fr- time frames, we've got a day, a week, a month, and a quarter. Um, I mean, the regressions on it are, are nice. I mean, on the day, 
Regression slope is positive. On the week, regression slope is positive. On the month and the quarter, they're negative and flip, but they're flattening out. And also, looking back, um, looking back over last week's price data as well, the ten-year Treasury. It was uh, it was repeating this uh, this bull flag pattern, which basically runs up, consolidates sideways, or with a bit of a pullback. And then runs up again. And I'm also seeing that pattern taking shape on some of the smaller time frames. So I'm looking at a one day five minute chart for instance. And I'm looking at the looking at a bull flag pattern that started started at around nine o'clock this morning. With the uh, with the flagpole, so the the price rising, that ran till about eleven. So, looking at about four p.m. London, and then it has been consolidating sideways ever since. So from about eleven to now, which is about six. It's just been consolidating sideways. Now, this is a pattern that it repeated throughout last week's trading session. And when I zoom out to um, one week or even one month worth of data, I can see it has been repeating this similar pattern. At least going back to about the third. So taking it back about two weeks now. It's been slowly working this pattern through. So, And these markets are fractal. The uh, price action is fractal. So basically what that means is. The patterns that you typically see repeating over and over on the smaller time frames. Tend to also form on the larger time frames. Which you know it, it does help for doing your longer term uh, targets. So. Looking at some of the longer term time frames, I do like the positioning on the 10 year treasury from where it is right now. Um, when the option when the option was exercised, it exercised with uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of profitability baked in on open, which is nice. Um, But uh, from where it is right now, it's uh, the ten-year treasury is looking good as far as uh, as far as you know price higher yield down, you know, which honestly would just bring the uh, the ten-year treasury or the long-term end of the U.S. yield curve a little bit closer in line with other major economies, you know, um, around the world. So nothing too shocking about that, and. Of course, barring some major market shock, it should be a gradual progression. So we, we should gradually see the price drift higher in the coming weeks. And just gradually push the, uh, the yield down lower on the 10-year treasury in the coming weeks. And if the relationship between stocks and bonds hold, 
then that means we should also see a slow drift lower on stocks in the coming weeks. But then, of course, there's always some market shock that, you know, snaps, snap dislocates markets. You get a big run, a lot of momentum in one direction, and then there's some consolidation. And then prices eventually get back on track with their with their fundamental trends. But so that's all that's the that's the forecast going forward. Um the goal with the ten year treasury future set a trailing stop loss. Um I'll I'll have to use one of the uh one of the volatility measures. Uh there are a lot of indicators that um can provide volatility measures. One of them that I like to use, the uh, parabolic SAR, the stop and reverse. Um, pivot points are uh, pivot points are, are also good as well. Um, you can you can adjust uh, those those studies adjust for volatility, so it helps you with uh, setting stop losses. Um, and then of course you have your ATR, your average true range. Which, you know, you can use the multiplier effect to, you know, also set your stop losses to adjust for inflation. So, the idea is to set a trailing stop loss either based on a percentage or or output from uh, from an indicator. And let the position roll off the books in 70 odd days. I mean, if the trend holds... Treasury prices probably keep on drifting higher. Um, not in a straight line, of course, but, you know, hey, that's what stop losses are for. But, for instance, it's currently trading at about 138. I think I can probably hold on to this thing and within the time frame before expiration, without having to roll it over, it could probably get up to about 140. So, the buy-in, by the way, in the position was 137 and and uh 240 so yeah we'll uh, we'll see how that goes i'll keep you guys updated on uh on how the position how the position holds out or if you know at some point it gets stopped out or something changes <laughs> market sentiment changes fundamental shift and you just have to look at it so but that's uh that's it for this week. Any questions, comments, or concerns, I can be reached at contact at run the numbers that biz. That's contact at R U N T H E N U M B E R S dot B I Z. And on that note, signing out, this is Katie Mark, your neighborhood financial economist. When in doubt, take profits.